Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Jim Cobray. I'm going to just kind of read through the seven things God gave me that I need you to remember from last week. We'll put them up on the overhead for you. Number one, remember the baby of the thrown out and the trash heap that we gave as an example last week. And the illustration from that baby being thrown out in the trash heap and then being redeemed but having problems later on in life was the fact that a baby takes anything and puts it in its mouth. And it's not any different than those people that first come to the Lord. They take anything. I mean, they get saved on Sunday and there's a door knocker on Monday passing them out some literature from the pit of hell that is contrary and therefore they don't know the difference and they find themselves wondering about what to go on. And that was the illustration of last week, how important it is that we catch these people when they first make the commitment to Christ because we saw that number two, there were four types of people that hear the word of God. And these four types of people uh, that and the word of God brings us to number three. And number three was three of the four had problems come at them, pressures that take place uh, in them. And these people heard the word. Some received it for a little while, but the pressures of life or their own thinking, uh, love of finances or money or jobs or had their love misplaced, they found themselves leaving the faith And only the fourth one, if you'll remember, was the one that stayed because the word of God fell on good ground, had a good heart, that meant. And it stayed and they endured. If you took 25% for each group, which you can't really do, it's a whole lot more than that. That'd be great because we'd have 25% more people. So that would mean that we have about 150,000 people that should be in the church today, uh, at least lined up outside, but they're not there. And so it's not 25 and 25, 25, but three quarters, if you will, of the people are having a real difficult time and don't make it probably at all when uh, 25% do make it. Number four, we found that we learn what you are. We, we learned that you produce, uh, that you produce says what you are. That what you produce in your life, your actions, your lifestyle, uh, what you say, what you do, literally does something and it says who you are. Very important for us to see that because uh, without it. In Luke the 6th chapter verse 43 and verse 44 it says this, for a good tree, and I love this, does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good tree fruit. A fruit can't be produced that he's talking about from a tree and that's parable is the tree, but he's not talking about a tree, he's really talking about people. He's talking about you and me and what we produce. And he comes along and he says, a good tree does not bear bad fruit, but a bad tree does not uh, uh, bring forth, if you will, or bear good fruit. So verse number 44 comes in and says, for every tree is known by its fruit. You're going to be known by how you produce in your life. This is not trying to win your way or earn your way or work your way to heaven. This is about because you have such a strong relationship with Jesus, you want to do what Jesus would have you to do. And we found out that every tree is known by its fruit. 
It's not known by what it looks like. For an example, the orange tree and the, remember we talked about this, the grapefruit tree have similar leaves, similar size, similar colors. It isn't until you literally take a bite of an orange and take a bite of a grapefruit that you realize there is a massive difference between them. So it's not about what they look like. It's not about what I look like that comes along that makes a difference. It's about what I produce that speaks what I am. And that's what God wants us to see and saw last week. Number five, from a good uh, treasure of a good man's heart, he produces good fruit. Here's the first introduction to one of the most powerful understandings of something, that literally the treasure of your heart is going to produce something. It's either going to produce that which is of God or it's going to produce something that is contrary to God, which is described as evil. Anything that's described as evil is anything that is contrary to the way, will, want, plan, and word of God. Anything contrary, I don't care what society says, social systems say, I don't care what the majority of people vote in, could give a flip about all that. God is the one who says what is right and what is wrong, and therefore we have to understand that God is telling us something from the treasure of our heart, which is a really important word that takes place. I was hoping that they would have them highlighted for an example. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, you guys are on the ball. So it says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart. Have you ever stopped and thought about what the treasure is in a man's heart? The treasure means what is the most important, valuable thing that he's placed in his heart. Some people say their car is the most important thing. Some people say sports is the most important thing. Some people say their job is the most important thing. A lot of people say money is the most important thing. That becomes the treasure of their heart. A lot of people say it's my wife or my husband or my, oh, here's going to shock you. My kids are, are the most important thing in the world to me. Guess what? There's a treasure of your heart. From the treasure of your heart, you're either going to produce God or not produce God. If you don't produce God, there's a shocking result that comes about. And God knows exactly who you and I are if we don't produce the things of God. He says, brings forth good. But an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Really, the translation on that would be better to understand as out of the abundance of the treasure of my heart, I live out my life. Are you hearing this? I live out my life. I express my life. I express what's really important to me by what my heart says. And so God makes a statement, and a lot of people have a relationship with God that's kind of in, out, up, down. You know, if God is good for a while, then they hang in there, and if he's not so good, they don't hang in there, and then they get involved in something else, and they're so committed to that something else and looking forward to that instead of looking forward to things of God. And all of a sudden, the treasure of their heart is no longer the things of God or God himself. Have you ever wondered what the treasure is of your heart? I mean, stop and think about what is a treasure? If I asked you to give me a, an illustration of what the treasure is in your personal heart, did you know that 90% of you in this room would say Jesus? That's not a complete answer, and that's the shock. 
And all, all of you that just sat there and said, well, Jesus is, it's not. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the gateway. Jesus is the access to the real treasure that ought to be in your heart. And we'll see what that is tonight. That's where we start to get excited. Is anybody listening? Number six, you can call him Lord if you hear and do, if you hear and do what he says. If you call him Lord and don't hear and don't do what he says, you, you're going to be horribly shocked in your life. And that's why here we are. I don't know what the timing is. I don't know if God's coming back. I don't know if this country's going to make it. I've never seen such turmoil in our land. Is something taking place before us that, you know, surprises all? I don't know what that is, but I want you to know something. This message is very timely for where we're at right now. For some people, COVID and staying away from COVID and being healthy from COVID is the, really the treasure of their heart. And it isn't. It shouldn't be. It should be something that's important to you. I agree. And all the other things about the car, the businesses, sports, all the things that we wrap ourselves in, those are all very important. And God doesn't want you not to have them. But he doesn't want it to be the very treasure of your heart because it's from the very treasure of your heart that you produce the things of God. And that's what tells God who you are and where you're at. Is anybody listening? <laughs> Okay, which brings us to number seven. I love number seven. Number seven says this. How important is the treasure of your heart? I want you to remember that from last week. Matthew 6, 21 says it like this. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so here we are with the people that God's telling us that there's something on the inside of us that's very important. And from the treasure of our heart, whatever that is, God can tell where you're at. And here's the problem. When people come and give their life to Jesus, they don't change anything. They, the, the treasure of their heart that was before they prayed the prayer is still the treasure later on. If they were still sports buffs or, or, or athletic involved or if they were weightlifters or health fanatics or, or whatever it might possibly be that was a treasure of their heart, they give their life to Jesus Christ and the treasure of their heart never changes. And that's where we as a church, spiritual personal trainers that are in this church have got to understand and it's so important for us to see it that we have by the power of the Holy Spirit gonna help them to change the treasure of a man's heart. Now, the question comes, how long do I have in my life to change the treasure? You may be sitting there saying, well, I'm not really sure uh, if the treasure of my heart is the right treasure. Well, great. How long do you have until your lies, uh, eyes close and you stop breathing? You have all the time that you're on this planet to get your life together. Remember the parable that says one started early in the day and then one started work later in the afternoon. They both got paid the same thing. Why? It's because we both had the same treasure of the heart. It's a parable that explains the treasure of the heart. Powerful. Now, I don't know how long that took me to do, but I think I went pretty fast through seven. So I want to take you now to today's understanding of the word of the Lord and go with me to Matthew. If you have your Bible or your device, and let's just take a look at Matthew together. 
And let's look at these wonderful verses in Matthew because they're really, really powerful verses. And I want to share them with you in a way that will change your life as it has so changed my life. And by the way, when the Spirit of God fell on me was while I was reading these verses that just jumped out. And when I started to weep and cry and to this day, I mean, months later, I'll just sit with God alone and start to cry because these verses become so powerful. We're going to look at Matthew, the seventh chapter, verses 13 through 27, 13 through 27. And verse number 13, I'm going to go to the overhead and I'm going to point out some things to you. So let's take a look at it. Put up Matthew 13 chapter. And uh, I'm in seventh chapter, verse 13. He makes a statement, Jesus, and this is one of the most ununderstood statements that there is, and it's so easy to understand. He says, enter, enter what? So I'm going into something. Watch this. Enter in by the narrow gate. Enter in by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. So in other words, there's a narrow gate that leads somewhere and there's a broad gate that leads somewhere. And if you will read that, you will see that he's telling you to enter in through the narrow gate. Every one of us in here, what Jesus is saying to you personally tonight is that he really went to the cross so that you would enter in to the narrow gate. Enter in where? To the, not the broad gate that leads to destruction. Destruction means, dis, destruction means elimination. It might even mean, in your terminology, hell. There are many who go in by it. There are many that are going to go in by the broad gate, the wide gate. But the narrow gate is different. It's confined, it's small, and it actually gets smaller the closer you get to God. It actually is like a womb that gets smaller. And here it comes along, verse number 14. Because narrow is a gate, and now watch this, and difficult is a way. You gotta get this. We've made Christianity so simple and so stupid and such a lie from the pit of hell that you don't have to do anything. But my Bible makes it very clear from the mouth of Jesus. He says these words. He says, because narrow is the gate. In other words, you want to enter in the narrow gate because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. So here you are as a Christian and you're saying something to yourself. You're saying, man, I want to go to heaven. I do not want to die and go to hell. Everybody in this room wants that. Then listen to the words of Jesus. He's making a statement here that it's not some easy peasy, just do nothing, live your life the way you want to live it and think you're going to make it. You're not going to make it and I'll prove it to you. He says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And I think it's sad. I think I broke down about here because this is the part that really broke my heart after being a pastor for 42 years. My goodness sakes alive, I've never heard anybody with any passion ever teach these verses. Why didn't somebody tell me this from the beginning? That this is difficult. And it is when you start setting yourself aside for God. 
It becomes a very difficult thing. Is, is anybody listening? In Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 15 goes on. Remember, he's right after he says those things. He says this, beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are, what's that word? Tell me that word. Ravenous wolves. In other words, he immediately says, watch out for what you hear. He says, because, and because listen, they're, they're, they're going to get something for themselves, but they're not going to get anything for you. And he comes along at 16, watch this in verse 16, and he makes this, you will know them by what they produce. And he's not just talking about false prophets. He's talking about all of us, because remember, a good tree produces after a good tree, after the good, and a bad tree only can produce bad, and a good tree can only produce good. A, a good tree cannot produce bad. Wow, that's a, that's a bizarre statement. What do you mean? I, a, a good tree. You can't continue doing that which is contrary to God if you're really saved. You, you might do it, but you're going to feel bad about it. The Holy Spirit is going to check you over and over and over again. And he says, I, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The answer to that is absolutely not. We get, you know, you go to a fig tree to get figs. You get a, you know, you go to get grapes off a grape bush. Verse 17, powerful verse. Even so, he goes back to the tree. Remember, he's talking about the tree as a parable, but he's also really already defined that the tree is a man and a woman, us, humans. He goes right back to this and he says, so every good tree bears or produces good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. Have we not already seen that once tonight? And here's Jesus repeating it again, my goodness. And then he comes along and he makes a statement in verse number 18. A good tree, a good tree, a man, what's a good tree? A man who has a treasure of his heart the right way cannot bear or produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. You cannot continue in a way that's contrary to God and call yourself a Christian. Uh, you may make a mistake and do the things that are wrong, and that's where grace comes in and covers us. You may trip and fall every now and then, and that's okay, especially when you're new, you know, but there comes a time when you need to snap yourself out of those bad habits and bad things, producing the wrong thing, and get back to doing what you're called by God and washed by the blood of the Lord to do. And, and you know, here's where most of the church comes along and yells, yeah, but grace, but grace, but grace. Did you know you can frustrate grace? You sure can. And it's not about grace just to cover us completely all the time so we never have to do anything. Or then why in the world did Jesus say this? Stop and think about it. Jesus, is he just ate a pizza the night before and he's just burping out words maybe because he's got an upset stomach? Or is he trying to say something to all of us that are in this room? Verse number 19 comes along and says this, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. Notice how I put it in red. Here's where my head hit the table and I wept. <sighs> what in the world is he talking about? Same thing he talks about in John 15 chapter. Anything that doesn't produce is cut down and thrown in the fire. Oh my goodness. I can be a Christian 
and not produce godliness in my life, baloney, you're not a Christian. Only a Christian is going to produce godliness in my life. And by the way, according to what he says, every tree that does not bear good fruit. I didn't say that. Every tree that does not. It didn't say you're perfect. didn't say you're walking and, you know, trying to work your way into heaven. We'll talk about that in a moment. I'm not trying to get you to a place where, boy, if you ever make a mistake, you better just realize you're not safe. Not true. That's where grace comes in and takes care of us and protects us and covers us. And the blood comes along and helps us to get to where we need to be. And he gives us a lifetime to develop the, what, treasure of our heart. And he says, every tree does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in a fire. I mean, you have to admit that is some kind of harsh words. They're so harsh that we ought to, as a church, stop and think about what the heck does that really mean? I mean, if I call myself a Christian, are you telling me that if I keep my life going where I'm half in and half out, and this is where SPTs come along and they teach the right thing to these people, half in, half, right, half out, uh, on Sunday I'm turned on, but on Sunday, Monday, I'm turned on over somebody else. And I live that kind of a life. And he says this, man, and if you're, if you're a bear good fruit, he's cut down, thrown. If you're not going to produce that which is God, you're thrown into a fire. And man, he doesn't just say that once or twice. He says that numerous times. Did you know that in the Bible? But we pick out verses here, and we teach on them, and verses there, and we teach on them. They never cross each other, and that's why we're all holding our thoughts together into one thing, because he talks about this on a constant basis. Now he comes along, verse number 20, and he makes a statement. Therefore, by their fruits, plural, you will know them. What they produce. Verse 21. He says, not everyone. Now, remember, 21 follows 20 and 19. He just said everybody that's not going to produce the production of God in their life, cut down, thrown into fire. Then he just came along and said in verse number 20, and he says it like this. He says, man, every tree is going to produce good fruit. And then 21, not everyone, right after he says that, not everyone, not everyone, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord. I mean, everyone that is speaking to him is calling him Lord. He doesn't just call him Lord once. They call him Lord twice. Wouldn't you think that somebody that calls Jesus Lord twice would be in the kingdom of God? I would. Just from the logic of it. But he doesn't. He says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now here is your heart and the treasure of your heart. Jesus says, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. 
That's got to be the treasure of every one of our hearts. And Jesus is the access to doing the will of the Father. I can't do the will of the Father unless I have Jesus and I'm in Jesus. Jesus is in me and I'm born of the Spirit of God. Then I can produce the fruit and guess what? Now I can do the will of the Father. But you come along and I know what you're saying to yourself right now, but wait a minute. Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Remember from last week, why do you not do what I say? Is it what Jesus says or the will of the Father? Jesus said it's the will of the Father, but do you remember Jesus making a statement? And he says, the words that I speak are not my words, but he that sent me. In other words, every word Jesus ever spoke is from the Father. So Jesus actually tells us what the will of the Father is. Why? So that we, from the treasure of our heart, can do the will of the Father that's in heaven. And that's the fruit God wants from us. And a lot of times we don't understand that. We just think, oh, what's the fruit of your heart? Well, the treasure of my heart is Jesus. Well, that's great, but it's not good enough to be Jesus. There's people right there that said, Lord, Lord. And Jesus comes along and says, why do you call me Lord? Remember from last week and do not what I say. Here he comes along and says, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of God, but he that does the will of the Father Man, that's amazing. In other words, we have a job when people are newly committed not to give them what Paul the Apostle, I made a deep mistake and I repent. I'm telling you the five things that were given to Paul the Apostle, Saul in those days were the wrong things. His heart was already committed these people are walking down the aisles. They have a different relationship than Paul the Apostle had. And we've got to give them something that's going to build the treasure of their heart so that they can endure to the end. Without that, man, we're doing nothing but wasting our time. And the pastor's getting patted on the back worldwide for all the people that get saved. And here I am, biggest joke in the world before God. And I repented like you can't imagine. But he that does the will of the Father that's in heaven, that's our job is to get that into every man that comes to church. Is that, are you listening to me? To do the will of the Father that is in heaven. Powerful understanding. Verse 22 comes along and even gets better. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, and then watch this. Have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? Whew, man, I would think that somebody has a pretty good idea and relationship with Jesus Christ. They cast out demons in their, how many demons have you cast out? Uh, they, they prophesied in his Name? How many times have you prophesied? And they did wonders in my... Wouldn't you think that someone does that? There's a problem here because the next verse comes along. I never dreamt this next verse. This shocked me. And the next verse comes along, verse number 23. And then I will declare, in other words, I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 
Nuts. To understand this verse, there's a couple of words here that are absolutely powerful. First, the word practice is something that you do all the time. You practice it. You're doing it. You're carrying it out all the time. He says, go from me. I don't know you. Depart from me because you practice lawlessness. One translation says, you're a worker of iniquity. And lawlessness is this. May I just say it like this? Here, here's what God spoke to me. You can believe anything you want to believe. Here's what I, I heard God say to me. The law is what God says. The law of the cosmos, of the eternities of, 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 uh, of everything, is what God, the Father in heaven, says. Lawlessness is someone not doing what God the Father has said. And he says, you've been practicing life doing it your way instead of my way. And you come along trying to secure your position in heaven by doing things that you thought would be pleasing to me when all the time I knew what the treasure is of your heart. And the treasure of your heart was to practice in daily life that which was contrary to what the Father in the heaven wants. And he says these words, verse number 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, just immediately right out of the box, what sayings of his? His are the sayings of the Father. He says, he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a what kind of man? No, wait a minute. Say it to me. What? A wise man. Oh, boy, I hope I have time to go to this verse. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. A wise man. It builds his house on, on the rock. Go ahead and rock be in Jesus. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and, di- and, and it did not fall uh, for it was founded on the rock. Verse number 26. Watch this. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, does not do them, living out his life in lawlessness and practicing this is a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Watch this, go ahead. And then, uh, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat that house, and it fell. And I like these words, listen to this. And great was its fall. How great? Verse 19. Gather together and burn. Absolutely an amazing expression. Now, let me take you, while I have time, if I may, into Mark the 13th, fourth chapter, verse 13. Keep that in mind, what we talked about tonight, because let me show you how this all works so you can see it, understand it. Now, he says these words, he says it to them. Do you not, remember this from last week, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? He didn't say you won't understand any of the parables. He just says, how will you understand 
all of the parables. I don't want to understand some of the parables. I want to understand all the parables. That's what he just said. So if I understand that I produce the will of the Father that is in heaven because it's the treasure of my heart, not because it's the right thing to do, but because I want to do it because of a relationship with Jesus. If I do it just because I think it's the thing to do, then what happens is I become a religious man and he says, go for me, you work of iniquity. I know you not. You practice lawlessness. And so if I know that, and if I know that the treasure of my heart is being worked on, I may have the treasure in my heart right now in my wife. I may have the treasure in my car, my job. I may have the treasure in prestige and power and recognition and acceptance of man. But he comes along and he makes this statement. He says, you'll know them by their fruit. And he says, if you don't understand these parables, you won't understand all of the parables. Now let me show you from what we just said how the parables start to become alive. Is that okay? That we can just get this down because it's really important. In Mark, the 10th chapter, a guy comes to Jesus, a young man, and he says, how do I inherit the kingdom of God or how do I go to heaven and have eternal life? You remember the story. Jesus tells him about keeping the law, doing all those things, and he says, I've done all those things. I've done them all since childhood. And then Jesus answers him. Now here's where the word of God starts to explode in your personal study, because you understand what we just shared with you. So Jesus says to him, Mark 10th chapter, verse 21, let's put it up. In verse 22, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. I want to say that he didn't look at him and criticize him for doing wrong because he loves us and he doesn't criticize us. Nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Didn't say things in this world won't separate you from God, from his love. That's what the Bible says. And he says this, he loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, here's the one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you will have, uh, what an interesting word, treasure in heaven. And come take up your cross and follow me. Is he asking him to dump all the stuff in his life? No. He just wants him to see that the stuff in his life is the most important treasure of his heart. Because the next verse tells us something. Verse 22. But he was sad at this word, which a lot of people are, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In other words, the treasure of his heart was what he had or who he was because of what he had. In other words, material things were more important to him than God. And Jesus said, you can do all the stuff that you did, that's great, but it won't get you to heaven until the will of the Father is carried out and because it's the treasure of your heart. So powerful, it's just amazing. 
while you're there in, in Matthew, go back with me in the 13th chapter, verse 44. In Matthew, I think I have a few more verses that I want to go to because these I'm just going to just show you how all of a sudden these verses start to, to make sense. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, verse 44. Let's read verse 44. Put it up on the overhead for me, will you please? Again, the kingdom of heaven. Now here's this parable. Watch the parable. Is, is like... Oh, what an interesting word. Treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. For joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has. He goes and he sells all that he has. He goes and he sells all that he has. What does he do with it? Buys the field. What's he saying? The stuff we have is not what's going to get us to heaven and is not the important thing in our life. What is important, and you can have the stuff. He doesn't care that you don't have. He wants you to have the nice car, nice house, all those kind of things. He doesn't want them to have you. The only thing that's got to have you is the treasure of your heart. So he goes and he sells everything. He gets rid of everything. What for? To get the treasure that's in the field. All of a sudden, the parable starts to become alive. Well, that's cool, but notice the next verse, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a, a beautiful pearls. He's giving you the same illustration here, really. Verse 46, who when he found one, pearl of great price. By the way, the pearl of great price is Jesus through him that we do the will of the Father while we're on earth because it is the treasure of our heart. And when we do, we produce good fruit, godly fruit. And he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. What was important was the treasure of his heart parable now starts to really make deep sense. But it doesn't stop there. <laughs> the next one is a real shocker. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that is cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. Verse number 48 which when it was full, they drew it to shore and they sat down and they gathered the good into vessels and threw the bad away. <laughs> Verse 49, and so it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth separating the wicked from the just. And if you'll remember, Jesus said, in every church there's tares, and wheat. And he said, don't go after the tares because you'll get the tares out. And he, guess what? He says, and you'll pull the wheat out with it because they don't understand. What's a tear? A tear is something that looks just like wheat, but it's poisonous. And it's torn in the last days. It comes by the angels. So, so here's the kingdom of God. It, it takes everybody in. And then there's a day coming, not today, but there's a day coming when the angels will come and they will separate those that belong to God, the sheep on his right side and the goats on his left, the scripture tells us. And then there on his left are burned 
and lost. In fact, look to what it says, verse 20. And it will cast him in the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. I mean, that's just such shock. And here we are, the buffer between that happening. Here we are, the buffer between that happening to a lost world who thinks they're right with God when they're not. The worst trap a man can be in is to be in a trap that he doesn't know he's in because he never tries to get out. And here we are, the buffer that has the ability as a church to get them out of where they're at, producing the wrong things in their life and bring them to have a treasure in their heart of Jesus who does through him we do the will of the Father. Is that amazing? I have another parable I'd love to share with you. I just don't know if you have the guts to believe it. I've shared some harsh things and hard things tonight. But this one is real gutsy. This one has the ability, if I may just say it, to piss you off. You want me to share it with you or not? I mean, you want it or not? You sure you want this? It's, it's something you need to hear the words of Jesus because it's shocking. This is not a game that we're, we don't come to church to sing kumbaya songs and get goosebumps and walk out. There's a job God has for us to do. This church has got to be different. And I love this. If I may take you to Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 32 to 39. Therefore, he says, Whoever confesses me before man, the word, big understanding here is the word confess. We think it just means saying Jesus. Confess is something that means all your heart and all your life behind what you say, not just of words that are cheap. So when you say this, he's not just saying cheap words is your life is behind this. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Oh, man, good verse. Verse 33. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. How do we oftentimes deny? By living that lawless practice of self. Is anybody listening? Living the lawless practice of self is like making a statement about where your heart really is. Verse 34, it not gotten good yet. Do not think that I have come to give you peace. I remember as a young man reading this and I went, what the heck? I thought he was the one that brings his, his peace, his peace that surpasses understanding. I give you peace, not as the world gives it, but I give you peace. Oh, wait a minute. And now he comes along and he makes a different statement. And he says this, do not think that I've come to bring you peace on earth. Oh, wait a minute. It's not about your time on earth. I did not come to bring peace on earth, but a, but a sword. I read that as a young man and I went, 
Oh my goodness, I'm just going to read something else. I don't understand that at all. But let's understand it. Is that okay? Here's what he's talking about with what we know tonight in verse number 35. For I have come to set man against his father and his daughter against his mother and his daughter against his in-law and against the, her mother-in-law. Verse number 36. A man's enemies will be those in his household. Wait a minute. What the heck is that all about? Let me tell you exactly what happened. This is a true story. A man walked into our church some years back. Drug addict. Got saved. Thrilled and excited for Jesus. Went to SPTs, went to a couple of SPT sessions, went home with boldness and told his mother and father, I found Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm so grateful. The parents looked at him and said, we much rather have you a drug addict than a Christian. He came in, talked to me, he says, I have to live there. They're my parents. I don't know where to go or what to do. So I'm just telling you, you probably won't see me in church anymore. The division is the treasure of a man's heart will divide you from anything and everything. Are you hearing me? That's the cost of all of this. That's the shock of all of this. The next verse, verse 37. He who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves the son or the daughter more than me is not worthy of me. How many people have we known over the years that have lost a son or a daughter and are mad at God about it? And someday they're going to get to heaven and see that child in heaven. They're going to be thrilled with God. In the meantime, they hold anger and animosity against God, putting themselves at stake. Verse number, he said, no, go back to 37, please. He says, he who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or his daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, the ultimate treasure of your heart that you and I build every day is the treasure through Jesus of having the ability to do the will of the Father that is in heaven. That has got to be the passion, God. I live to do your will. Stop, 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 stop. Did you know that goes all the way back to the garden of Adam and Eve? And that's where relationship was before they did their own will. Is anybody listening? So Jesus takes us all the way back to the garden before the fall with his blood and says, now it's your turn. And the choice is yours. What the, what the treasure of your heart's going to be. Now watch this. He says in verse 38, he says, and he who does not take up his cross and follow me, he, me is not worthy of me, verse 39. And who finds his life will lose it, and who loses his life for my sake will find it. Powerful words, all because of what you produce is the treasure of your heart. I'm going to conclude with this one verse, and then I'm, I'm going to finish for tonight, and I have did my job. Is that okay? I'm going to take you to a prophetic verse about Jesus in, in uh, Matthew, if you will, in the second chapter, in verse number 11. There were three kings 
that came to baby Jesus. No one calls this a prophetic verse about the church, but it is. So it's the first time you've ever heard it. The three kings we know as in scripture are called three, does anybody know what they were called? Say it again. One more time. They were three wise men according to scripture. Wise men are ones who do the will of the Father or is a similitude of you and me born again today living out our life. They bring Jesus three gifts, treasures. They don't do that just so Jesus could have money to go to Egypt. He probably spent the money from those treasures to support his father and family ministry in Egypt. But that's the under level, that's not a misunderstanding, it's probably the truth and understanding. But there's a deeper understanding because it's prophetic. Let's take a look at the verse, verse number 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, Remember, we're talking about the treasure of your heart. They presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And a lot of times we've tried to figure out what that really means. A lot of research, a lot of people's ideologies and philosophies have been expressed on that. What is a gift? And they move past it. But now that you know that what he's talking about is people that are born again need to bring gifts to Jesus of the treasure of their heart. And the first is gold, which represents, Peter describes as holiness and purity. The more pure it is, the more value it is. And by the way, all three of these gifts were probably equal in value in those days. We just don't understand. Frankincense is another one. Frankincense, if you'll remember from the book of Revelation, that the prayers of the saints go up and God keeps them in a jar and he lifts off the lid of the jar of the prayers of the saints. And that's what frankincense was. It was used in the temple to bring a fragrance in the, in, but represented in the book of Revelation as a prayer of the saints. Prayer is not just asking God for something. Prayer is part of worshiping God for who he is. And living your life by him is the greatest worship you'll ever have. So there's holiness that church should bring to this Jesus, there is, listen to this, there are prayers of worship and praise because he is worthy, but myrrh is interesting. Myrrh was an anointing oil that they used in the anointing inside of the temple in the Old Testament. And the anointing oil was that which they anointed with the power of God. Did you know in every gospel, it's described that Jesus was not anointed with oil. 
And once in Acts, the 10th chapter, five times in the New Testament makes it very clear that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And we bring to God the treasure of our heart, which is holiness before him. And we bring prayers and worship before him by living out our life. Greatest worship there is is living out your life, not just raising your hand singing a song, but living out your life for Christ. And the third thing is that the Holy Spirit has anointed us in his power and his, if you will, anointing that brings great change because we have Jesus with us and we bring it to him. Because what does it say? At the end when we all go to heaven, we'll take our crowns and we'll throw them at his feet. This is all about Jesus. Prophetic verse, second chapter, 11th verse. So what did we learn? You can't produce anything unless your heart is right. The development your heart may take a lifetime, may take a lifetime. His grace is with you and loves you. He doesn't here to condemn you or hurt you, slap you down or make you feel bad. He's here to build you up. And when the issue is, what is, what is the depth, the treasure, the value of really my heart? It's Jesus, yes, but it's through Jesus that we do the will of the Father. And man, that's what the scripture says. And that's why we uh, SPTs have got to go after the souls. In other words, they eat whatever they want and they develop whatever way they want. And when the pressures of life come and all of the things and of the world come and you know the, the passions of their own lusts and desire come and the Satan comes immediately and robs them from what they heard and what they committed to, we gotta get them right away. I'm finished, did God speak to you tonight? Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.